Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 78. My name is Damien Ross, and I'm the host of the Rootless Living Podcast and the publisher of the Rootless Living Magazine. I've been a full-time RVer and digital nomad since 2017. If you haven't already, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital subscription and start reading the only magazine that is covering what it is like to live a life that is still full of travel while you're working, aka being a digital nomad. So on this episode, I chat with Lauren and we get into what it's like juggling grad school, trying to find a balance for adventure, and then also the difficulty in looking for a place to live when you have a pet ferret. That's right, a pet ferret, and it leads you to a life on wheels. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Lauren to the show. Lauren, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing really well, thanks for asking. Where are you in the world right now? Western slopes of Colorado um, in the Grand Junction area. Nice. What's the weather like? Oh, it's hot. It's been over 100 pretty much every day this week. Today's the only day we've had some nice cloud cover. There you go. Love it. Would you consider yourself a full-timer, part-timer, some-timer? Full-timer, but stationary at the moment. Gotcha. It still qualifies. There's no asterisk needed. You're good. This isn't steroids. And, um, <laughs> and when did you, uh, and what, well, actually real quick, what did, what are you living in stationary right now? It's a 30 foot Catalina coachman. It's the bunkhouse model. Nice. And when did full-time start for you? January, actually. Um, I bought the trailer in November, did some work on it and moved in early January. Yeah. So you're fresh. Wow. That's amazing. I love it. Uh, we've had a couple yeah. of, I'm trying to find a better word than newbie because I feel like it's. And it's probably not degrading in any way. I just don't remember being like a newbie apartment oh, no. renter or a newbie homeowner, really. Like, it's weird that in the RV life, there's that, oh, you're a, you're a newbie. I just think fresh and like, you know, in your first year, it's, it's definitely different. Well, then let's go back. You know, obviously, we don't have to go back far, but let's go back to, you know. No, not at all. When did the idea of moving into an RV hit you and, you know, walk me through the process of when you first started thinking about it? So I have some friends, their name's Callie and Lee. They actually live full-time, also stationary in a fifth wheel in Texas. And they're located out on a family's property, so they don't pay rent. It's really cheap. So they were the ones who first mentioned, like, oh, like, you should look into this. But when I was in Denver working full-time, I was like, nah, it doesn't seem like something I'd be interested in. Then I got into grad school and started apartment hunting. I'm on in grad school on the Western slopes and started looking around and decided I actually hated all the apartments in Grand Junction. They were either like super expensive or just absolutely trashy. So I started thinking, well, in my second year of this grad school, we do a clinical year where they move us like every month or so. And then I found out it's anywhere from every two weeks to every five weeks I could be moving. So I was like, well, if I just get an RV, for the entire time, I can save a little bit of money because the RV parks are still way cheaper than like anybody's rent around here, even with all the utilities like propane in the winter and running the AC nonstop in the summer. Still way cheaper than what some of my classmates are paying unless they have roommates. So, yeah, that's kind of what started it. That's amazing. I don't I mean, know. I... There's also a funny story when, yeah, so the funny story associated with this is when I was in undergrad, like, oh man, like six or eight years ago, 
my dad suggested I move into an RV full time because he had a little plot of land out near the college where I was going. And he's like, yeah, we can set up hookups for you. You don't have to pay rent. And I told him he was crazy. And then six or eight years later, I said, hey, I actually want to do that, but like not in the same town. And he was very nice and helped me set it all up and did not tell me I told you so. (laughs) I have a hard time not telling my kids I told you so, but I've had so many of those moments where they just think I'm nuts. Oh, yeah. And then it comes back full circle. But I think that's important in life is to kind of figure it on your own. And maybe it was a great idea, just the wrong time. Um. I do like that you're yeah, talking I'm about. I'm not sure I would have made it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And I do like that you're talking about how it is more affordable. That's a question people ask, and a lot of times it depends on where you're coming from or where you want to live. And that's where you know. I mean, oh, I th- for sure. <laughs> I would say in, in the majority of the United States, living and owning an RV, because really, if let's say you only did it during the time that you're, you know, finishing up school and maybe a little bit, maybe the first gig kind of a thing. And then you went, you can get some of that money back, believe it or not, you know, depending on the market where you can never get your rent. Yeah. Your rent's gone. No. Yeah. Rent's done. Like, yeah, there's huge startup costs. Like I used to drive a Jeep Patriot and that is not going to tow anything at all. So I had to upgrade to a truck. But I bought an older model and then I had to buy the RV to start with. And then I spent a couple grand doing like renovations on it. Like I painted it all, bought some stuff for that. Um, So yeah, like it wasn't, the startup is not cheap, but in the long run, I mean, it's mine. I can do what I want with it. And yeah, my month to month rent is so much cheaper. And then in a few years, if I decide like, no, I want to go back and buy a house or something. I have resale value. Nobody in an apartment has that. Yeah. Or if you end up renting or buying a place that has a spot for it, at least you have a great kind of just way of getting away when you are off work. Um, I really try to encourage people that, you know, let's say they hybrid back from full time to some sort of like, you know, sometime I'm like, try to find a place. If you're going to keep your RV, don't pay to store your RV. Cause again, that's just rent for your RV. Oh yeah. No, no, that's, it's very cool. Yeah. And have you done any trips in it or is it literally like you moved it to the spot? That's where you run of it. Like how much actual travel have you done? If any, I haven't done any in it just cause, um, when I bought it, like I said, I still was driving a Jeep Patriot and didn't have towing capacity. So the guy I bought it used from a guy off Craigslist actually. And he was nice enough to tow it to a friend's house where I did all the work on it for about two months on and off. Um, and then my dad helped me move it to where I'm parked now. So yeah, I haven't done any travel in it. Um, I have a month off in December though, that I'm hoping to like go wheels up and test out moving it around a little bit. Nice. That'll be fun. I mean, it actually is like a smart way of doing it because there's just so much to get used to in the rig itself and like kind of learning all that quirks and, you know, checking all the plumbing and making sure the electrical is really working in a use and just get that all worked out before you start yeah. traveling anyways is really smart. I mean, I know that's not necessarily your plan, but if someone's listening and like, why would you buy a trailer and not move? It's actually really smart, especially used for the first couple months yeah. to just really go through it. And you yeah, know, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. It's very smart. Well, yeah. And coming yeah. And coming from an apartment, like moving into an RV full time, like I've never had to dump a black tank before in my life or like be worried about how much power I'm using. Cause it's not like, it's only a 30 amp, which 
if I was going to buy again, I would buy a 50 amp. <laughs> that was a newbie mistake. But yeah, since it's just me, the 30 amp works 90% of the time. So like watching how much power I'm pulling, like I spent a learning curve for sure. And I'm kind of glad I'm stationary somewhere that like, if I really mess it up, like I can go get help. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I love it. Does it only have one air conditioning? Is that why it's 30 amp? Yeah, so it only has one AC unit, but I went to Lowe's the other day. I bought a second one. Um, I actually live full-time with a pet ferret, so I was really worried. I've heard horror stories about the main AC unit going out, so I did a bunch of Googling and found one that seems to work and doesn't draw much power just in case something happens. Gotcha. And he's smart enough. He can go sit by the backup one if he gets hot. So a ferret, that's amazing that you actually say it and call it out. I've, I've interviewed people that'll say they have pets, but they don't want to say the species of one or two. They want to keep it kind of secret. Um, because obviously there are States where ferrets aren't allowed, correct? Yeah. So California is the big one. And I think New York city proper also, um, I don't foresee New York being a problem. Uh, California could be, uh, one of the clinical sites that my program has is in Bakersfield. So the plan is just to sneak them in. If I get sent there, <laughs> it'll know, be fine. Do you know <laughs> Don't why? Get caught, right? Do you know why California um, says no? Is there a reason or are they I, just, um, there is personally, I think it's a dumb reason, but if anybody out there wants to disagree, we can discuss it. So the, the concern that California has is that my domesticated ferret will escape and overpopulate the natural species in California. And the reason that is dumb is every ferret that is bred in the United States is supposed to be fixed. Mm. So they can't just go out and breed and overpopulate. And you're assuming that my ferret escapes along with somebody else's and that they're going to meet up and have babies. (laughs) Realistically, if the ferrets escape, they have one to two days on their own. They're completely domesticated and they were not meant to be in the wild. That's amazing. He's more likely to get eaten by a hawk in the first 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah, especially something. Yeah, if they had a legitimate reason, I'd consider. Sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, especially considering like a house pet now all of a sudden having to make it in the wild. Most animals don't do well if they've only known, you know, to be like a house pet. And you, I mean, I've seen dogs that just don't do well outside that have been indoors their entire life in a way. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't know what the reasons were yeah. and I didn't get an opportunity to ask the last time, but I feel like, especially around animals, when only one state has a rule or two, I feel like that's a, like a P section in the pool. You know, I mean, like, is it really stopping? Yeah. Or like, we used to have smoking sections on an airplane. How did any, like, just grown-up, smart adult say, <laughs> a smoking section airplane is the stupidest thing ever. There's no way we cannot make the entire airplane smell like smoke. So that's the same thing here. For I mean, It's either have to be right. all 50 states or none. It doesn't make sense to have one state say no to it. Yeah, and there's a bunch of groups online who are trying to get the law changed, but it's in a weird spot where the legislature, it's somewhere between the legislature and fish and game that they just haven't been able to get the law changed. But there's actually quite a few people in California who just buy ferrets in Nevada and drive back. So the big thing is just don't get caught by fish and game. 
Right. Or if you do, I don't know. I've had a state tax. Sorry, man. I'm a tourist. I had no idea it was illegal here. <laughs> right, right. And I th- that's that's amazing too. You can kind of play ignorant to it and hope your best. But I, you know, Bakersfield is pretty. They're pretty relaxed and chill in Bakersfield. So I think even if you ran into, I don't know if there's a lot of fishing game going on in Bakersfield. I think you'll be okay. So. Um, that's amazing yeah i'm not super worried about it i'm like yeah i'd like to take him to the beach we'll just scope out the beach before only stay for a little bit go back (laughs) what is the the ferret's name his name is jesse james like the outlaw so ferrets are notorious little thieves they like to steal things Jesse's favorite things are socks and any kind of like small towel or washcloth, like a dish rag. Um, and he, his stash spot is under my dresser in the back of the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So when socks go missing, you literally know where to go or do they get destroyed? Oh yeah. Oh no, he just hides them. So he just pushes them under there and then just kind of sleeps around his treasures because that's also where he likes to nap. That is funny. A total sock klepto. I love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they all have their thing. And he probably still my keys. I just never put them where he can reach them. <laughs> where did the idea of getting a ferret come from? When did that happen and how did that happen? So Jesse's actually my second ferret. And I've only had him about five or six months. Um, before him, I had a ferret named Oliver. And I got Oliver probably six years ago now. Um, I actually impulse bought him, which I do not recommend ever impulse buying a pet, but I did. Um, All I knew when I bought this little ferret at the pet shop was that they eat, that they sleep for 18 to 20 hours a day. And back then I was working as a paramedic on an ambulance working 12 hour shifts. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Like it'll just sleep while I'm at work. And then we can hang out when I'm at home together and it'll work really well. Um, then I found out that they're obligate carnivores. You have to feed them a pretty specific kibble diet. Um, and the few hours they are awake, they're just absolutely nuts. Like they're very energetic. So I looked around and said, well, if people can take their dogs to the park to chill them out, I'm going to start taking the spirit to the park to chill them out. And, uh, so I did. And I harnessed, I've harnessed trained two ferrets now, um, I started Jesse like the day I got him, I threw him in a harness and it worked much better. Oliver hated the harness and that took a few months. Um, but yeah, now they go hiking and walking with me. Um, Jesse goes for a nightly walk around the RV park with me. We've met a lot of friends that way. Um, but yeah, it's kind of how it all started. Do you do fun? I mean, I would be having a ball with that. Like, Oh, where'd you get it? And you'd be like, I just found it. Like just like an hour ago. They're, they're all oh, over yeah, the place. Yeah. I, that's oh, the yeah. kind of stuff I'd be doing. Oh, yeah, for sure. That happens more on, like, hiking trails. Like, um, we do a lot of hiking around Colorado and Utah, mostly. Um, and, yeah, people will be like, oh, my gosh, did you catch that out here? And I'm like, yeah, man, totally. Like, <laughs> took a lot of work. I've been up here for the past three days trying to catch him. That's amazing. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. There's all these, like, hikers returning with, like, snicker bars, like, hoping to find their ferret. Yeah, they're like, I'm going to catch one also. Yeah, he's related to the marmot. It's close. <laughs> There's a, a a movie I remember watching as a kid, so I'm going to date myself. It was in the 80s. I want to say it was Conan the Barbarian, where there was, like, an incredibly trained ferret that, like like, was able to help on their missions. And I remember like, you know, for whatever that was, the six months after that, 
like just begging my parents who, again, I lived in Los Angeles for a <laughs> ferret. Like I just remember being like, this is amazing. You should, it's so well-trained. It can go get things and do stuff. And they just weren't buying it whatsoever. I, maybe I got a gerbil instead. Who knows? But Not they, about it. Yeah. It was just, they weren't going to do it. Well, that's funny. Yeah. Ferrets have actually been trained to do a bunch of different things. Some of them were used to clean pipes. I think it was with NASA and they helped wire Buckingham Palace because they can fit in small spots and you can just hook a little wire to them and off they go. That's very cool. Does Jesse James have any tricks besides the sock collecting? Uh, No, he just hikes and kayaks and goes wherever I take him. Is he on harness? Those are his only all? tricks. Yeah. Is he on harness the whole time or can he be off harness at all? Yeah. No. Um, he's only off harness if we're like hopping out to take a real quick photo or something. Gotcha. He likes to explore and get into some bushes and I just get worried he'll explore too far and not come back. Right, right. Find another f- ferret and just populate the entire world. <laughs> Within days. Yeah, and yeah. just decide he's going to have some babies, even though he can't have babies. <laughs> right. Somehow. That's amazing. Now, you did say that, you know, one of the upsides was the amount of time that they sleep. And that seemed like, a, you know, were you guys ever able to, you and Oliver, like, sync your schedules? Or when you were home, Oliver was just out. And then while you were gone is when he woke up. Um, yeah, so ferrets are not nocturnal. I don't remember the word for it, but they'll basically adjust their sleep schedule to yours if you keep a pretty consistent one. Gotcha. So yeah, I've ha- never had much problem with either ferret. They kind of sleep when I sleep and are awake for the most part when I'm awake. I will always say, and I always preface it this way, my roommate has two cats. And, you know, granted, they've lived <laughs> with me for four years, but these are my roommate's two cats. <laughs> and... um she is gone today. I will not see the cats the entire day. But as soon as she walks in, they'll come out of wherever they're hiding and hanging out and be like all like, you know, hey, I'm ready to play. I'm ready to have fun. And I'm as loving as I can be to cats. And they must just pick up that maybe I'm a dog person somehow. And they're just like, you know, I forget you. <laughs> but I've never been mean to them. I've, you know, I've, it's so funny to me, though. They are just gone the entire time. Um all right. Well, I think we definitely got into the the ferret conversation, which obviously I wanted to talk about just because I've had people on that have kept it kind of on the down low. But obviously where you are, it, it's legal. Maybe now I think about it, maybe where they were living or doing the majority of their traveling, it wasn't. And it's not like Fish and Game is listening to this and trying right. to figure out how to track it. And obviously you're being pretty open and public about it, and which is cool. I, I mean, it seems like a great RV. Oh, you know, that's what I wanted to ask you. Do they, are they like a, do they have like a predator to them in the sense that like, that's what I was bringing up the cats. I know the cats can put out like a predator scent and it really has helped keep mice and rats out of our rig just by having them in the rig. Does a ferret do that too? I don't know what a ferret would normally eat out in the wild. Um, so they are obligate carnivores, um, domesticated ferrets. You can no longer find in the wild, but yeah, it's small rodents were their prey. So I don't know if he puts out a scent necessarily that helps with mice. In the six months I've been doing this, I've had no problems with rodents in the rig at all. Um, And even from the beginning, like when I was working on it and got him, he'd come out and like when I was painting and stuff and just kind of hang out with me. Um, But yeah, I haven't had any issues with that. That's cool. So I don't know. Maybe he is helping. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like if they're the ones that are going after it, there's that like little fair advantage that somehow Mother Nature's worked where the rodents get a little bit of a head start and a little bit of a warning. So, but if it is a, a plus, it's a huge plus yeah. to have an animal that detracts mice and rats, especially, I would have to assume, especially when you're stationary. Oh, so yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, I haven't heard many problems because there's a couple of us in this part that are stationary. So I haven't heard of anybody having any problems, but... Yeah, I've never thought about that. He might actually be really helping me on that front. Without a doubt. Now, normally we transfer into work, but it sounds like, and I'll, I'll make an assumption, is it just full-time student or are you working as well? It is, yeah. Full-time grad student. I don't think there's any way I could do grad school and hold a job. It would be a lot. No, it sounds like it. And what is it that you're in grad school for, if I can ask? It's physician assistant studies. Um, so I worked as a paramedic for six years and then transitioned into this grad school recently. Nice. What's the, uh, what's the end goal kind of like career job that you really want to end up having? Um, so there's a lot of opportunities with physician assistants. Um, they actually have a traveling PA job that I've been interested in. I just don't think they hire new grads straight out of school. Mm. But I'm like, I don't know, I already have the truck and trailer. Like, I'm going to apply and see what happens. Um, I've also heard of some physician assistant jobs in Alaska where you can get some loan repayment options, which would be nice. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I'm just kind of keeping my options open. But, yeah, really looking towards something more rural, probably, where I can get some loans paid off. I get love some that. assistance on that. Yeah, I feel like this... Because, well, if I understand correctly, too, when you're in any kind of the the medical field, there are, like, bonuses or incentives to get people away from the big cities. Is that what you meant by kind of being in rural areas? Yeah. So the federal government has some loan repayment programs um, where if you go to what they deem a high-need area, where a lot of those are, like, rural kind of middle-of-nowhere places, like you work in a small clinic, they'll help you repay your loans. Or if you work for a um, non-government organization. So um, I know somebody did it through the Bureau of Indian Affairs working out of Utah. And I believe Alaska has a similar program. Very cool. Where you go and serve the native populations. Yeah. No, that would be really cool. I mean, I think that's the interesting aspect of this lifestyle is the the figuring out the where you're really free to kind of do that where normally with you know even apartments and moving and it's just different and when you have this lifestyle especially oh, yeah. career and you want to be able to do some things and how smart is that if you have an opportunity to go to a rural area for a while really knock down your loans and then you know maybe go to an area yeah. that you want to be that's fantastic that's available i also like yeah, and then if I go rural, if I go rural, I don't have to worry about like finding housing. I just have to worry about where can I park the RV. And even most small towns have an RV park somewhere near there. I can work out a deal with. I'm sure. Oh. So yeah, even if I just stay in the RV a few years, not a big deal. And especially in rural areas, even if it's you know I don't know thirty forty miles away, in some cases like in Texas where the speed limit's like ninety. You know, you're talking about a 20 minute drive oh, to yeah. from work, even though you're far away. I, I always have people that are like, I can't believe the 
airport is 50 miles away. Like, how are you going to deal with that? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's I can get there faster than I could from my house to LAX any day of the week. You know, you can go 90 here and there's never traffic. Um, let me see what else I do like hearing about. I mean, it sounds like it's a real kind of financial smart move in the sense that, you know, you, you took a look at what it would cost for apartments and stuff like that. And it looks like this is saving you some money, um, which overall is really great. I did see something, you know, I have like a Google alert for the term RVs and some other ones. And what was weird is, and, and I, the reason I'm saying that is because I don't want anyone to think I'm following the Britney Spears saga, but it was about her dad, <laughs> how he makes $16,000 a month and he's living in an RV. And the way that they phrase it, it's like someone that has a lot of money wouldn't do this life. And I'm like, that's insane. I mean, you would be really smart. I mean, I would say like, well, then he's probably saving no. $14,000 a month. It's, you know, good on him for doing that. Yeah. But it can be, and again, going back to, you know, where you're at and what kind of rig you get, you know, I mean, if you go out and buy a half a million dollar rig and you're staying in, you know, spots that are a hundred bucks a night, of course, it'll probably not be as affordable, but that's the great yeah. thing I think about this lifestyle, especially someone like you, that sounds like you're probably outside of your rig a lot of hours during the day and have, have been in the past as well too. And you start to realize that you're spending all this money for a place that sometimes you're never even at. And if you are, you're usually there when the lights are out and you're sleeping. Yeah. So before I moved into the RV, I actually had a job around Denver, Colorado, where I was working two days on straight through four days off. So on my four days off, I'd get home and stay home long enough to load up the Jeep and go buy groceries. Or a lot of the times I'd just even go buy groceries on shift and then turn around and go somewhere for four days. And doing that, I was able to travel a lot of places and I just kind of took the Jeep and a tent out. Or if it was winter, I'd stay in like hotel rooms or something because it was too cold for the tent. Um, So yeah, it was like paying 900 or more a month. And my apartment was cheap for the Denver area. Like paying that much money for a place I was at one night a week, maybe. Yeah, it was outrageous. So yeah, it's kind of nice having the RV. Like it's not near as expensive as a base camp. Um, I like it better than a van because I have a bunch of stuff that comes with me. Like I have an inflatable kayak, um, and just all the outdoor camping stuff that it fits in the storage in this and just isn't a problem to haul around with me whenever I do decide to move. So yeah, it's really nice. Not that I want people to live in like any realm of regrets, but when you think back to a life that was two days on four days off, do you wish you had the, the, the <laughs> RV then? Cause now obviously, you know, on that day you would just wheels up and be gone for four days no need for a hotel no matter the weather and you know then come back and then do your two days or does it not is it not something you think about um i've never thought about it before but yeah i probably would have done pretty well with an rv doing that because and i mean it would have just depended like with the ferrets back then um i'd had to look at some stuff but yeah i probably could have got away with parking it at work while my two days I'm on and then just taking off for the four. Yeah. I've never thought about that, but yeah. And maybe like back then I probably would have done something smaller. Um, a lot of the places I go camping and stuff, realistically, this 30 foot trailer is not getting up there. Um, I really like to camp 
kind of high up where it requires high clearance four wheel drive and kind of knocks out a lot of the people. So that's why I do a lot of tent camping over pulling the trailer. But yeah, yeah, I've never thought about it. A smaller one would have probably been really good for that sort of life. And I love that you're calling it camping because it's funny that, you know, like I have a 42 foot fifth wheel and I, you know, I'm at a state park right now and I can see people walking by and they're like looking and, you know, they're being judgmental and I can't believe he needs that to go out for the weekend. <laughs> right. And it's like, I'm not going out for the weekend or he needs that. For yeah. Camping. And you're like, no, oh. man. <laughs> and it's not even camping. Like I, I've been camping and I never had a TV that went up and down behind my fireplace. Like that's not. So when I hear like how oh, you, yeah. you are still mixing in like true camping, if there's tents involved, if there's you know, burying your crap or, you know, even worse, you know, have to, you know, pack your crap with you and literally bring it back and then dispose of it. That is camping to me. And I, I will always argue that RVing is not camping. And, you know, again, it's opinion based, but I just, at the end of the day, if, if what I'm doing right now, if I close my eyes, I don't even know I'm in an RV. I feel like I'm in the nicest condo I've ever lived in. Oh yeah. This is home to me. Like this isn't camping. Camping's where I go pitch a tent in the middle of nowhere and hope a bear doesn't get me that night. Or yeah, I go somewhere that it's like, we're going to camp here because in the morning I'm going to go climb this mountain or hike this trail. Like, yeah. And I understand like a lot of the arguments is like for the older crowds who are tired of sleeping on the ground. I'll probably get there someday. I'm sure. But for now it's just way cheaper to just take the truck and the tent um, and just kind of leave the RV and I can get a lot more places doing that. Without 30 foot RVs don't go a whole lot of places in the forest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 42 is even worse to be honest with you in a lot of those situations. Yeah. And I have talked to people that have yeah. like a, a large class a, and it's funny how it, it is kind of a gateway to like real camping. So they've been, one was he literally had to talk his spouse into RVing and he couldn't believe that he was able to do that. And now they're looking at like setting up their Jeep to be more, you know, like an overlander where they can literally go out and do tent camping. And I'm like, that's a cool mix of it where, you know, if you still want to go to the areas like you're talking about, and it'll probably be a good transition into kind of what we call explore is that is an awesome option. I don't think people realize they can do that. They can, they can almost take their home base with them. And then once they're at a campground, get yeah. all set up, jump everything into a smaller, more, you know, agile vehicle with tents and things of that nature, and then go. And let's talk a little bit about like when you're not in school, I mean, I, I can see you needing just the the most amazing kind of mental break. What are you doing for, you know, exploring? What are you doing for fun when you're not in school or not back at the rig? Um, so I spend a lot of my free weekends out hiking around Colorado. I'm very lucky. I'm an hour and a half from Moab, about two hours from Vail, Colorado, and about an hour and a half from Uray, Colorado. So I'm really close to a bunch of like world-class hiking and off-roading spots. Um, and having a full-size truck kind of cuts down on some of the off-roading I can do, but it gets me a lot of places. I've been very lucky. And yeah, so I go hiking a lot on my weekends. Um, I think this coming weekend, I'm looking at climbing um, in Colorado. We call them 14ers. They're mountains over 14,000 feet tall. It's like a big bragging ride still. But the views from the top are honestly, they're incredible and it's hard to beat. But the deal with climbing 14ers is you have to start at like 5 a.m. and summit before noon. 
So I'm looking at taking the tent out and pitching it at the trailhead, sleeping, climbing the mountain, and then staying in the tent an extra day and going to a lake that's nearby. So yeah, I'm just, I'm very lucky to live in a place where all that stuff's really close to me. I can do like a little weekend trip with the tent and get away with it. You know, it is interesting too. And, 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 you know, before I don't want to load the question too much, but it sounds like you're in some very, like I would say high traffic tourist areas. There are some areas in there that were like a lot of people want to go to. Tell me your opinion about areas (laughs) where, where maybe it's not a national park. Maybe it's not on the map. How have those areas been for you compared to, you know, some of the national parks or, you know, monuments or state parks? Um, so national parks are just inherently crowded. Um, I think the least crowded one I've ever been to is Teddy Roosevelt in North Dakota. And that's just cause I'm not sure anybody knows that's a national park. Okay. <laughs> um, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, but yeah, I mean, it just gets really crowded. Right. Um, and that's not a bad thing necessarily, but it does kind of detract from like your hike when you're like, I like to drink a peak beer or a trail beer wherever I am. And you're sitting on the top with 8,000 other people. Sometimes it's nice. And I you like, sometimes you meet people and you make friends. Um, I've met a lot of friends on the trail, especially cause I hike with a ferret. He's a conversation piece starter easily. Right. Um, so I've been really lucky and I've actually met a lot of incredible people, but yeah, some of them were off the beaten path. It's a little more fun cause it's kind of, you're out there by yourself. It's a good way to clear your head, do some thinking get some things sorted out in your life. I actually, speaking of hiking and clearing your mind, um, I decided I was actually going to pull the trigger and move into an RV on a trail in Great Basin National Park. I'd been thinking about it for a few months and was looking at apartments and had just been going back and forth. Couldn't decide. And so on that hike, um, I was in the off season. So there wasn't a whole lot of people on the trail and just spent about seven miles figuring out like, is this something I really want to do? Is this something I think I can even do? Like, will this work? And yeah, I decided that this is what I wanted. <laughs> now it sounds like you go kind of far on your hikes. Um, recently I, I did an eight mile like loop hike and I noticed right around like the five and a half mile mark. I was kind of good, you know, like that's where my, you know, my joints were, I mean, I'm 50 years old. My joints started to hurt right. a lot of up and down. And I, and I've, I've noticed that for myself, but I will, I will say is when you get a mile, maybe two miles out, that's where most people drop off. Like you just stop seeing people, you know, whether you, even if you do, even if you do popular spots, like when I did the narrows, we probably went like the two and a half mile mark. And you went from there being like a hundred people to then being like 10 to then five. Most people, they want to do it. They want to get that Instagram photo, but then they kind of drop off. Interesting. I think that depends on where you are. Colorado is full of a lot of very outdoorsy people. True. And so I've seen kids on like 10 mile hikes that are like five and six. I'm just like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> right. Like that kid's killing it. So I think it's very location dependent. Um, but you're right. Yeah. The farther you get out, the less people you're going to see. I've found if you even start a trail that is in the double digits, like 10 and up, the number of people you're going to see is just cut in half because that 10 is a scary number for a day hike. Right. Um, but it's, yeah, if you get to where you're in decent shape and used to hiking frequently, it's definitely doable in a day hike. So yeah, the longer hikes cut out people. I also like to travel in the off season. Like you mentioned the narrows. I did that in November 
and it was incredible. Like there was hardly any people. The water still wasn't that cold. Um, and yeah, most of the people I did it with, we went all the way to the end. Cause I guess we were just all off seasoners who were really committed to making it. It's a really good tip. Cause I feel like, um, even, even in the RV world, you know, there are areas that are obviously just hotbeds for certain seasons and you can go a little before and a little after, and you're still hitting decent weather, but the crowds just cut in half. And I think part of what I was trying to convey without loading is the national parks are great, but I have been on hikes where there's no one. And I've said to myself, this is just as nice, if not nicer than some of the areas that have a fence around it. And I feel like, you know, like in Moab, when you have the shipwreck mountain, there are other mountains that look just like shipwreck. They just don't have a fence around it. They're not called a national park or a monument or a state park. And that's where I just want to kind of open people's eyes because I think we're going to head into a really crowded season for at least maybe like the next year with the amount of RVs that have been bought and maybe people just aren't going to be traveling out of state or flying. These places are going to be crowded, the popular on the map places. So if you can find some places that are off the map, I would highly recommend it because it's it's still oh, really yeah. pretty, you know. And the perks of going outside the national parks is you can take your pets. Um, I always had to leave the ferrets at home whenever I would do a national park, and that's just not as fun. Um, and, yeah, there's some great trails around that are very similar in views and, yeah, just as great. They're pet-friendly. Um, there was a couple outside of Estes park that are great for pets and the views are just as pretty as some of the ones in the park. It's amazing what you'll find out there. If you really start to look, it's, it's just a funny random story that happened to me yesterday. So I want to throw it in is I recently got some electric bikes and I really love them. I think, you know, it's just going to make when I go into small towns, you know, not driving the big giant Dodge into town, just take the little electric bike. But I was on this bike path here at the state park and, you know, I ra- it has the sissiest little like tricycle bell on it. And I was coming up on a lady that was walking her dog and I rang it. And she's like, what does that mean? I'm supposed to get out of your way. And I'm like, no, I just, it just means I'm behind you. I didn't want to startle you. And she's like, oh, well, it just seemed like you're like honking. Like I have to go away. I'm like, nah, it's not what I mean at all. Like do you think no. the next lady, I didn't honk. I didn't ring the little bell and I was like way far away and she could kind of hear the bike and she got startled and she's like, you know, you should really let me know you're coming up behind me. And I'm like, I can't win. <laughs> Like I'm, I literally no. like stopped. I was like, do me a favor. Talk to the lady with the black lab. Cause she got mad at me that I rang my bell. You got mad that I didn't ring my bell. <laughs> Why don't you guys get together, figure out what you want me to do. And then I'll be over in spot 16. Come by and see me. Let me know what I'm supposed to do in the future. And it was really, oh, yeah. Of, yeah, it was kind of funny. Um, has nothing, has nothing to do really with the podcast, but it's just a good story that I'm like, you just, you can't win in 2021. What's been, oh, your, no, no. <laughs> what's been your favorite hike or adventure if you can kind of like, uh, you know, melt it down to one, just because it seems like you've done a lot of hiking and it, maybe there's something that I haven't even thought of as in regards to a hike that you just really love that obviously is outside of a national park that you've been able to take Jesse James with you or Oliver with you. Um, so some of my favorite hikes are actually doing some of the slot canyons in Utah in the winter. It's really nice to visit Utah in the winter because like I said, you're hitting the off season. Nobody thinks to go to Utah in the winter, but during the day, it's still like 50 degrees. It's actually perfect hiking weather and just wear a light jacket. Um, it does snow there. So I do have like crampons for my shoes for traction in case I need them. But yeah, we actually did quite a few slot canyons this winter um, around the Green River, Utah area. That was just a lot of fun. And Jesse really likes the slot canyons because 
he can just play in the sand and dig the canyon out a little bit deeper. He just mm-hmm. has a great time. Cool. So yeah, some of the slot canyons were our favorite. Um, I also took a weekend off and went to the Knob area in probably March. Um, and that one was a whole lot of fun too. Cause we just did a bunch of different stuff. Like we did some off-roading and ran around white pocket, which that one, I'm, I'll be real. I would not do that unless you have a very capable vehicle. That was a very sandy road. Don't go unless you're prepared to like air down and have recovery devices. Um, definitely don't pull your RV down that. Uh, but yeah, and then we just hit some of the sand dunes. There's a really good brewery in town. Just had a great little trip. So yeah, there's been a couple good ones we've had. I love it. Well, I think it's a good time to transition to what I call the high-low um, let's start with the low. So in this lifestyle, you know, I mean, obviously we, once you decide you want to do it, you get on the internet and you're just looking at Instagram or YouTube videos. Like, it's just like, you know, it's rainbows and open doors, and, <laughs> you know, like it's just amazing. And then there's lows that people don't expect. Now I do have some rules for the lows. It can't be COVID okay. related. It can't be internet related and it can't be a flat tire. So, but what's been a low in this lifestyle <laughs> that you just didn't expect? Um, so I will say I did the same thing you were talking about. I got online and was looking at how I wanted to like, cause I knew I wanted to paint the inside of the RV and do my own decorating. I got online and looked at a bunch of the people and then I realized I'm pretty sure they all have storage units cause they keep changing the decor every few months. And like, yeah, there's no way you have room for all of that in an RV. Um, so yeah, so I bought the RV and everything was great for the first few months. Um, my dad helped me move it with his trucks. I hadn't figured out a truck situation yet. And since I didn't know how much I'd be moving the first few years, I was thinking like maybe I could just rent a truck to move it. Um, but then I decided if they're going to move me every two to five weeks, a rental was not going to be a great option. So I started looking and bought a truck. Um, and I bought a used truck. And from the day I got it, things have gone wrong with the truck. Um, the back window, it has one of those little square sliding open back windows. The day I drove it off the lot, that window got open and stuck and did not move. Um, it would not reclose. So I went back to the dealer and he helped me close the window. And a few weeks later, I was going to go down to New Mexico. I had about a week off from school. So I was going to go down to New Mexico and see some family, go play at like White Sands and do a couple hikes in northern New Mexico too. And uh, I went to Valvoline to get the oil changed on the truck because it's new to me, right? I, I don't know when the last time they changed the oil was. And Valvoline's like, hey, you have an oil leak. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> okay. So um, my dad's pretty mechanical. So I called him and was like, man, I have PA school finals right now. Like, I cannot do this. Like, I'm just going to drive down there and I, I cannot deal with this. Oil. Like, he's like, yeah, that's fine. Like, we know a mechanic in town. Like, we'll, we'll get you fixed when you get here. So I'm like, cool, 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 cool. Like, in the middle of, like, PA school finals, they're supposedly, like, one of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life. And that week was nuts because the least stressful thing that happened to me was the PA school finals. Um, because then I got home from getting my back window fixed on the truck and broke the key off in the door to the RV and had to call a locksmith. (laughs) And I ended up replacing the lock on it. (laughs) So I sat outside. It's a good thing I have, like, uh, stuff to study with on my phone because I just sat outside and had to wait for a locksmith for, like, two hours. Broke the key off in the door. Um, The ferret had a vet issue, so I'd been going to the vet, like, 
every week or so and was dealing with that. And then they're like, yeah, your truck has an oil leak. So then my dad calls me back and is like, yeah, I talked to the mechanic in town and he said, if the leak's high enough, your truck could catch on fire while you're driving back to New Mexico. You do need to get that look before you leave. Shoot. So I got it into a shop here and they were like, yeah, so the good news is, is it's a low leak, so it's not going to catch on fire. But, um, and this is the part where, y'all, I am not a very good mechanic person. They said there's something wrong with the manifolds that needs to be replaced. But if you know a mechanic in New Mexico you want to use, just go down there. Like, not a big deal. You can make it. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So I have this truck that I've had for, like, maybe a week or two. Take it down to New Mexico, and it spends, like, two weeks in the shop there. While I'm doing that, my dad loaned me his backup car, which is, like, a 2003 Buick, and it's just an absolute boat of a car. And I actually took that car camping with me and stuff on the weekends I had off in between because I was like, I don't know what else to do except Google, like low clearance is that okay on this back road do a little bit more work so ran around in the car for a while switched back and i'm like yeah yeah okay everything's fine truck's fixed life is good and then the uh surge protector melted into the plug at the rv park and i lost power for about it was really about an hour um the rv park was really good and helped me get hooked up to the 50 amp side because it was like 90 degrees still. So I still had power. Then I had to deal with like getting a new surge protector and no power. And so then last week I was like, all right, got the surge protector thing fixed and the RV park fixed the box. Um, The truck is back. It seems good. And my engine light just kicked on again yesterday. So yeah, I've gone from having truck problems (laughs) To the electrical problems, to I don't know what to call the door problem, but I'm waiting for a black tank issue because then I'll just hit the full timers check back day. I think <laughs> I, it, it's amazing I wish that a flat it, tire was the least of my problems. Yeah, no doubt. I should have jinxed it, but I do feel like it all comes together like that. Like you'll have these amazing. Like yeah. I literally just ordered a compressor. I have not had a compressor for the same reason we were talking about is I was at Lone Rock and it would have been nice to have been able to lower the air out of my truck tires and gone to some areas, but I just didn't have a way to refill them. And so I ordered one. I've not had a flat tire in the RV. And then literally the day before the compressor got here, I noticed that one of my tires had a slow leak in my RV, which is funny because I'm here to get all four tires replaced, but I kind of Jinx myself. What did you end up? Did you end up getting just a regular like key lock or did you go with like a keyless lock system for your trailer? I went with the regular lock system just because the I looked at the keyless and I was like, man, that would be awesome. But they are like $300 and I am living off student loans and I just bought a truck that's been in the shop for at that point it was still in the shop. So <laughs> I was like, you know what? If I decide I want keyless later, I'll go for it right now. Probably not the best idea. So no promises. So, yeah, it was really funny, though. I'll say it on the air so that way it's not a promise in any way. But um, I had a keyless entry system reach out to me wanting to be in my gear guide. Um, I will ask them. I will contact you off show and get the exact model of your rig. I'll ask them if they'll send me that one. That's the one I'll take photos of and then I'll mail it to you. And they are really easy to install and they really, they make it great, especially when just walking around because you just, you know, you close it, you don't have to take your keys with you. Um, Again, if they end up doing this, I'll then I'll drop them in the podcast. I'll leave the name out of it right now. Actually, no, I won't. It's the company's called Latchet. I'll reach out to them. If they're willing to send me one, I will 
get the model that works for you and I'll send that to you so we can do something fun there at least. You know, oh. com, you know, like battle one of these issues for you. So you can't ever, because I've gotten locked out. Nikki's gotten <laughs> locked out. It's so great not having to worry about that. Or if someone wants to come by or it's just they, I, it's yeah. the upgrade that I tell everyone to get, especially with a pet. If something, you know, was weird and you had a friend that was in the RV, you could be like, hey, do me a favor, you know, just go over. Here's the code. It's really easy to change the code afterwards. So, yeah, I'll see what I can do. No promises, but I will definitely give it my, my best oh, shot. Oh, yeah, no. That would be great. Yeah, and let him know. I'll plug him on the Ferrets page. He's actually Insta-famous. He's got like 10,000 followers. It's just a lot of fun. <laughs> so easy. Even a ferret can do it. Um, let's uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about your high. What's been a high in this lifestyle that maybe you just didn't you know, expect? Um, the high has been, so like I said, I'm stationary. Uh, just the neighbors that I have at this park, there's a couple of us that are full timers and everyone is just so nice. Like it's incredible. Um, when I was living in an apartment, I actively hated most of my neighbors, like went out of my way to not talk to them. And I used to have one that our door set caddy corner and they'd stand in front of our two doors and just smoke and talk for like hours on end. And I was like, Oh man, I cannot stand these people. My apartment smells like smoke now. And yeah, just living in the RV community, it's been really nice. Cause like, I have the sweetest old couple next to me and there's this other nice older guy who like stops and says hi to the ferret whenever he sees us out for a walk. And, um, our camp host at the moment, um, they just got here, but they're really nice. And when I was having the power issue, they were like, yeah, we'll change out the switch tomorrow. And I was like, well, I'm kind of worried. Like I'm going to be in class. Can I just leave the door open? And if it gets hot, you guys just go make sure my AC's on and make sure the ferret's okay. And they were like, yeah, totally. And so, yeah, they were like, yeah, we checked on your ferret, like made sure your AC kicked back on and everything was good. So, yeah, just the people have been the highest part for me. Um, I've just found a really great community of people that I've never had anywhere else living on my own. It's really nice. I will say that obviously you haven't done a lot of traveling yet. You are going to find that when you're traveling, which... I try to remind people when they're on RV and I'll just call out Facebook when you're on RV Facebook pages, I don't know who these RVers that are just awful human beings in these pages because I have met very few in real life. And, and I think if people are thinking about this lifestyle and you're on a Facebook RV page and you just see just, you know, the things that are being said and how you're being treated and you're, you know, you feel like a moron and that's what they want to tell you. I'm telling you, it doesn't happen in real life. And I'm not saying that because, you know, I'm oh, six, yeah. I'm six, seven and 280 pounds and no one's going to say that to me in real life anyways. But I'm just saying like, if, if I'm out there with the compressor trying to fix right. my tire, someone's going to come over. My old house neighbors, they saw me cleaning my gutters. They didn't come out and try to figure out how they could help or so you are. I mean, I just don't want you thinking that's specific to where you are now when you're out going from campground to campground, you're going to find that exact same thing, which is amazing. Yeah, and I'd heard, like, the RV community, because I don't, I really don't do much Facebook. I have some hiking groups that I follow to, like, maybe find some trails that are a little bit, maybe less publicized that somebody posted on there. But, yeah, I'd heard really great things about the community, but just getting into it was awesome. Like, yeah, like you said, like, if somebody sees you out there struggling, like, I had a guy come over when I first moved in, and he helped me figure out how to turn on the hot water heater, because as a newbie, I had no clue what I was doing. Yep. Me and YouTube were sitting there trying to figure it out. And he's like, oh, yeah, you just hit these buttons off you go. It was really nice. <laughs> I Nobody have, ever did that in an apartment or like, yeah, like homeownership. Nobody cares. Yep, 100%. And there's people that I've talked to that have lived in their 
neighborhood 10, 15 years and they really never got to know their neighbors, but that doesn't happen. If you long stay, even if you short stay, but definitely if you long stay somewhere, you know, two weeks and up, you get to know the campers oh, yeah. around you and get to know each other. And, and then especially you start to realize you don't have to lock all the things you're thinking you have to lock. And, you know, coming from Los Angeles, it's just, it's been so different for me. Um, I definitely want yeah. where people can figure out where they can find you. And then obviously find Jesse James as well. Um, folks, I'm going to list all this down below. So you don't have to try to write it down right now. You can just click on the links in the show notes, but Lauren, where can people find you online if they want to hang out, ask you questions, or then obviously check out Jesse James? So if you're looking for my account, um, it's Smith, S-M-I-T-H-Z-O-Z-O, and that's on Instagram. Uh, Like I said, don't find me on Facebook, that it's not going to end well. Um, And if you're looking to follow Jesse James, that's the one I'd recommend. He's the cute ferret out on all the hikes and stuff. It's hiking the ferret, all one word, no underscores or anything. And he's on Instagram and recently TikTok as well. Look at him. Influencer in the wild. I love it. That's amazing. I might actually go. Oh, yeah. I'll check out both of those. I mean, I, I actually don't think I have TikTok. I mean, I do because I want to protect my name, but then I think I logged out. But I'll definitely check out um, Jesse, <laughs> Jesse Overon. And, and something I highly recommend if you're someone that's really into kind of your brand and you want to make sure anytime a new social comes out, just go in there. Sign in, grab your username, and then log out, and at least you know you're protected moving forward. Or if you have a business, because you never know, yeah, maybe one day call TikTok, it an a. Yeah, I did that with Snapchat. Never use Snapchat. I've done that with TikTok. I'll never use TikTok. Probably, who knows? But um, yeah, we'll definitely give them a follow. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the show, kind of sharing your story. And uh, you know, I think I really do hope that if you're listening right now, and let's say you have kids that are thinking about college or you know grad school or just even those those years between high school and college, let's say, I think we should start recommending this lifestyle. I really do. Cause I think there's just a lot of wasted money and rent oh, yeah. and figuring out and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I like hearing these stories a lot because I think sometimes people think you already have to be very well established in your career to do it, or you have to be retired. And neither one of those is true. So I really thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Oh no. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, another great episode. Big thank you to Lauren for coming on the show. And I really hope it inspires anyone that's finding a hard time finding housing because of either school or pets or whatever that you'll think about this lifestyle. If you want more information or to connect with the guests that have been on the show today, just head down into the show notes, click on any of the links. And if you do reach out to them, let them know you heard them on the Rootless Living podcast. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, Make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out. And if you use the hashtag Rootless Living over on Instagram, we're going to share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.